Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. everybody we welcome you back we are live on facebook search the justin kinner show on facebook give the show a follow and uh, tune in every day from three to six ever we know everyone's on facebook so you, you might as well at least be tuning in and hanging out with us here locally every day from three to six p.m um this is a great news uh joel sherman major league baseball writer he tweets out that uh, the last time, okay, and by the way, the, the Cardinals are finally going to join the likes of everyone else and actually play baseball this year. How about that? Um, but Joel Sherman tweets out that the, uh, the last time any other member than the St. Louis Cardinals has tested positive for COVID-19 was July 30th. <laughs> it's what? What is it? The 14th? It's the 14th. Major League Baseball, who, and I have done it m- multiple times, I said that they were a joke. Uh, it was an absolute embarrassment. Remember, after opening weekend, after opening night, uh, you know, right away they had a huge outbreak. We all know what happened with the Marlins. And then a little bit later, the Cardinals had it. And then the Phillies had to miss games, not because of positive tests, but because they were in the same, you know, they were playing the Marlins. And there was fear that, oh, man, just how contagious is this in a team and, you know, team versus team environment. And I just looked like everyone was running around with chick- like looking like chickens with their heads cut off, man. It was it was it was a mess. And I called major. I said, Major League Baseball is an absolute joke. They are an embarrassment. And then all of a sudden, as time starts going on, there's only three teams that have really been heavily or two teams that have really been heavily impacted by this coronavirus within Major League Baseball as far as outbreaks, not positive tests, outbreaks. Positive tests are going to happen when you play in a pandemic, which also means the fact that only one team that has had personnel test positive for the coronavirus since July 30th, that's two weeks without any positive tests from any other team or organization out there. That is a huge win for Major League Baseball. And that is a huge win for you, the Browns fan. That is a huge win for you, the Bengals fan. That is a huge fan for you, the the Buccaneers, the Raiders, whatever NFL fan you are of. I promise you, this is such a huge win. For, for the NFL. Uh, yesterday I was talking about the fact that, you know, many people now are a little bit, you know, concerned and not as optimistic about the NFL kicking off after everything going on with college football. But my big thing about college football is that it's college. Like, it, it's not, I mean, we're not, I hate when people compare the NFL to college football. Well, if college football is not going to kick off, then what's that mean for the NFL? College football is not kicking off because of what they try to pretend to be the safety of the players. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but a lot of Big Ten teams and, and, and students who are already arriving on campus are getting emails talking about, you know, intramural sports. You know, sign up here for your intramural sports season. Like, so when they say it's too dangerous for Ohio State Buckeyes to kick off this season, but yet on Ohio State's campus, there will be intramural sports. That that's that to me says, okay, I call BS on that. Because clearly it's not about the safety of the students, and I'm not against intramural sports either. I'm not against football happening or intramural sports happening. I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy and the decision-making here. This was all about a CYA, cover your ass. That's all this was about as far as, the, as, far as college is concerned. The NFL, 
That's I mean, they, they are a professional league, just like Major League Baseball, the NHL, Major League Soccer, the NBA. And every pro sports league has dominated thus far. Every pro sports league uh, has done a fantastic job, including Major League Baseball. Yesterday, we had uh, ESPN's Jay Williams on the show, and at a certain point during the interview, I started noticing some feedback on Facebook saying, hey, why did he say baseball is struggling? Baseball is not struggling. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And I got to thinking about it. I'm like, well, I agree. Baseball's not struggling. You you have a team in the in the Cardinals, by the way, who've only played five games, and you could sit there and say, well, baseball is struggling. Look, they have a team that has only played five games. The Cardinals have struggled. The Cardinals had players that snuck out and went to a casino and broke protocol. The Cardinals should be kicked out of the whole damn league for 2020. We shouldn't be playing catch-up. But what I love about what Major League Baseball did is that because the Cardinals have only played five games and the Reds are about to play their 20th game, what they're eight and 11, uh, they're gonna, you know, so they're gonna play their 20th game tonight. So the fact that the Reds have played 15 more games than the Cardinals by tomorrow, that you, you know, you should just eliminate the Cardinals and, and and adjust. But what I love about what Major League Baseball is doing is what everyone has to do during a pandemic, and that is adjust on the fly. Everyone acts like college football needed to have the answers to start the season. You needed to have the answers to technically kick off the season, but you were going to come up with the answers along the way. For instance, Major League Baseball. They didn't have a plan for what you were going to do if a team missed 15 of the first 20 games, but they came up with one. This is what I'm liking about what we're witnessing throughout all of sports is that you don't have to have the final playbook heading into the game. You, know, you, you can add pages to the playbook throughout the game, the game being your opponent, the coronavirus. You don't have to have this full scouting report. The problem is when you're trying to have a, a find a scouting report for the coronavirus, there is none. You, I mean, it, it's a limited scouting report. You're, you're basically making uh, the first couple plays. You basically are drawing up the first couple drives or the first couple plays and then adjusting as you go. That's how you attack the coronavirus. So to expect anybody to have the final full playbook of how you're going to attack the virus is absolutely ridiculous, and it's not realistic. Do I believe that the NFL has the full playbook ready to attack the coronavirus? No, I don't. But either did Major League Baseball, and they have the worst leadership in the world. Rob Manfred and the Players Association, the amount of trust between them and the Players Association, it's, it's complete garbage. It's complete garbage. There is no trust. So if that league, if Major League Baseball can be 20 games into a third of the way through the season and only one team has been really heavily impacted by it, that's a win. And what that means is that's a win for all live sports out there because we keep hearing about how great the NHL bubble has been, over 7,000 players and personnel or 7,000 tests combined. Players have been tested multiple times. But over 7,000 tests have been conducted and no positive tests in a bubble. The NBA, again, another round of 300-plus tests. No positive tests. That's a win. That, that's a win for the bubble. But I try not to get excited about the impact of a bubble because it's not realistic to expect a bubble for a lot of different sports being the NFL. So my thinking was is I was going to keep a close eye on Major League Baseball because however Major League Baseball was able to get through the season and how they were going to handle the virus is how I was, I was going to base my excitement for football off of that as far as the NFL. And the fact that, again, according to Joel Sherman's tweet, the last time anyone other than a member of the Cardinals tested positive for COVID-19 in Major League Baseball was July 30th. That is two weeks in just which one team has a positive. And that is a, no pun intended, that is a positive as far as that's concerned. I'm, I'm so thrilled about the job that, this, that, the, uh, Major League, that Major League Baseball has done. Considering the lack of leadership and the mess of a start of the season that it was coming in, on the verge of just pulling the plug on it all together and pulling a Big Ten, the Major, Major League Baseball was able to come together, although 
<laughs> maybe not on the best of terms, but they got a deal done. And they've made adjustments as they go. So the Cardinals have played five games only while everyone else has played 20. And you would think that there's no way. How are you going to catch the Cardinals up? Major League Baseball released a plan for how the Cardinals are going to be able to catch up and make up all these games. Because you can't have a team like the Cubs only play 57 games and the Reds play 60. And you're saying, well, what do the Cubs have to do with this? Well, the Cubs have had a whole series wiped out with the Cardinals. And many people are saying, well, there's no way you're going to be able to make up all the games that you've missed. So the, the Cubs will just play the remainder of their games and uh, they'll play 57. But what if the Reds play all 60? And the Reds trail by a game and a half, and they end up not making the playoffs. But who knows what would have happened if the Reds would have had three more games, uh, or if the Cubs would have had three more games. Would they have won all three of those? They could have lost all three of those, and you'd be wondering the whole time what could have potentially happened. So to me, I give Major League Baseball huge props for handling this on the fly, and people don't like the term on the fly. And I'm like, if you could show me an organization that's not handling things on the fly, I'll be impressed. There's no such thing as not handling it on the fly. High school, if high, when and if if and when high school kicks off for football and fall sports and others, it's they don't have a complete playbook in in hand yet. It's not going to be okay. So that happened. Let me go to page 50. No, there's going to be things that happen that they were not prepared for within the playbook, and you cannot be mad at the schools. You can't be mad at the OHSA and others because there's just things that. You're not even thinking about happening. No one would have dreamed that not only would we at least get the season going for Major League Baseball, but that every team in baseball would be playing their 20th game heading in to mid-August, and the Cardinals have only played five. But baseball made an adjustment, and that's what the NFL is going to do. And I am so confident that the NFL is going to kick off their season coming up here in a month. We're four weeks out. All right, uh, we, the NFL teams are putting on pads today. We're getting closer. September 10th will be the first NFL game. You'll have the Houston Texans going up against the de- defending Super Bowl champions of the Kansas City Chiefs. And then, of course, on the 14th, uh, that first or that second Sunday in September, it's week one. It's a win. Major League Baseball, I'm more impressed, by the way, with Major League Baseball than I am with the NBA and NHL. Bubbles, not only have they proven to be 100% effective, but they're... They're easy now, right? I'm not impressed with bubbles. I'm more impressed with baseball being able to survive the way they have when you have players getting on planes and flying to cities all over the country, getting off planes, playing games, potentially going out at night for a bite to eat, maybe stopping for some milk is what happened with the Pirates or the Marlins or whatever it was. And the fact that you've only had one big time or one big time outbreak that has caused the team to miss 15 games. That's not good. But that's not a loss either. That's a win for Major League Baseball. Good for them. And if Major League Baseball could do it with lack of leadership, imagine what the NFL can do with leadership. And I think that's something to keep in mind. I'm Justin Kenner hanging out with you here on a Friday. I hope all of you have had a great week and have had a great closeout to your week. And uh, we're taking your calls now at 457-9464. And that will also take your reaction on Facebook. Head to Facebook, like the Justin Kenner Show on Facebook, and watch us live. Every day you can watch the show live on Facebook and interact in the comments section but i'm curious are you as high on baseball as i am do you believe baseball has done a good job is the fact that you've had a team in the cardinals missed uh, 15 of the first 20 games is that enough for you to say that no baseball is failing or are you in the park like i am of saying hey you know what actually they've done a fantastic job all things considering so we'll get into more of that coming up around the corner we're going to talk a little high school football on the other side of the break, OHSAA's Tim Street will ask him about a couple of things, including, well, Ohio State's not playing football this year, so does that impact the perception of high school kicking off football this year? We'll talk with Tim Street of the OHSAA when we come back. Don't go anywhere.
All right, everybody, we are back on a Friday, 345 here in the Jump City. How are all of you? Happy Friday. Hope all of you have had a great week. Got big plans for the weekend. Are you a golfer? Let's bring on Hoop again. And Hooper, if you're watching live on Facebook, people are confused because it says that Hooper is Kev Nash. He's yeah. clearly not Kev Nash, uh, but uh, it says you are Kev Nash for the time being. Are you a golfer, Hoop? So I'm not. Um, I've always wanted to. I've never done nine holes, 18 holes. I've golf. golfed more this summer than I have than I ever have in my life. And I always joke, of all the things I suck at, golf is easily the most expensive. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. But I am literally addicted to it. It is so... Ad- I always used to make fun of golf. I always thought all my friends who went golfing all the time, I'm like, what week uh, ever? But no, I'm addicted to it, and it's uh, unfortunate because it's pretty expensive. But uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So I'm doing that a lot this weekend. What are you doing this weekend? This weekend, uh, that is a fantastic question. Uh, probably nothing. Hey, you got a you got a wedding coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a a Halloween wedding actually. Do you know who she is? Yeah, have you picked her out? Yeah, yeah, I think huh. I, I think I found the well, one. Whoa, time out, time out. A Halloween. A Halloween wedding. Now I'm going. I'm okay, glad we're talking about this. I'm glad we're talking about this. So because you a, haven't RSVP'd yet, so that's that well, was one of the concerning things. Well, consider this. By the way, what time <laughs> is it? It is 3:46 on a Friday, August 14th, 2020. Consider this my RSVP. No, you. Perfect. I'll send the RSVP. Okay, right. I'm horrible at that. It's on the kitchen table, stacked up with all the other stuff I got to pay. Yeah, uh, or send. But a Halloween wedding. What is a Halloween like? Please say we could dress up. Please say we could dress so, up. So not during the ceremony. Everything will be fall-themed. It'll be nice and lovely. And then once the reception ha- happens, we'll put on Thriller, and you can bust out your costume. Like you got to play Monster Mash. Yeah, that too. It's like what well, the episode of The Office. Where, do you, do you, Jim, do you have to play <laughs> Monster Mash? <laughs> exactly. Please say you're an office guy. I am, yeah. Okay. So you know what episode yeah, I've only watched it through about. once, so it's I can't... The episode where... Oh, no, so I you can't, can't quote, quote it. it? Oh, no. man. I've probably watched it at least a million times. Now... Uh, it's the episode where Jim ends up like spending money without telling Pam, and then uh, it was it, yeah. It, just go back and watch it. I will. Time. So there you go. All right, um, but you had a question earlier. So we were talking about, and by the way, the uh, OHSA interview with Tim Strait. I'm going to get to that coming up at the top of the hour, four o'clock. Uh, we'll get to that at the top of the hour, four o'clock, and then in the third hour, five thirty, we're going to be joined by Terry Lukemeyer. He is the producer and the director of the Marty Brenneman documentary, How We Looking. How we look, and I'm telling you, I've seen many different, uh, you know, previews for this, and uh, I get goosebumps every time. And we are fortunate to have been able to work with Marty in the past. In fact, when you and I were in college, uh, uh, let me bring you back on here because then they know don't even know who I'm pointing <laughs> at. If you're watching live on Facebook, you can see the Hooper. Even though it says it's Kev Nash, this is uh, the Hooper. Um, when we were in college, my favorite class that we took in college was the social media marketing class. And Russ Shirley, by the way, shout out Russ. Every once in a while, Russ. Will pop up on the comment section in here. So, giving Russ a shout out, hoping he's one of the ones tuning in right now. And Ike, excuse me, it was our social media marketing class, and it was so cool because they surprised the class one week and brought Marty Brenneman in, and uh, that was like the best class ever. If I'm not mistaken, he was just supposed to do a video call. Yeah, I think just he a was. Video call. He was in town for another reason and just happened to just show up in our class, and it was it yep. was one of the coolest experiences. And from that point, I mean, that's how that's the night I met Marty, and I've yep. been close with him ever since. So, um, knowing Marty, you know, us getting to you know meet him in class and everything, but this documentary coming out is so dang cool. Um, and I'm going on Monday. They're actually doing like a special viewing. They're not special view. I mean, anyone could can go but on monday is when it's going to debut and everyone will have a chance to watch it they're uh you know displaying it at a drive-in movie theater that's how all the new movies are and that's how it's probably you know gonna be what was the concert what country was that concert in and it looks just like riverbend by the way and you have like your own little like 
casing that you're sitting I in. I have four seen friends. that. Yeah, and that's, that's coming our way. It is coming our way. Yeah, everyone's sitting on the ramps, uh, like you would see a, a couple of them. Um, but now the the whole concert venue was was filled with everyone just socially distant. I'm telling you, who cares? I yeah. mean, it, it's better than being told you got to wait another full year before because you can't go another year without any live concerts or anything. You're a big concert guy. I am, and I wouldn't mind sitting down at a concert like that. It'd be nice. I'm awkward at concerts. I don't know what to do. What do you do? So when you go to a concert, what do you do? You just sit there and stare? Uh, a beer in the hand? The okay, beer in the hand I can do. And then this other one doing like the, the devil horns rocking out. That's Look what at the camera. Do. So yeah. you do this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nope. See, I'm awkward. Can't do it. <laughs> um, no matter what concert I go to, I think the last concert I went to was Dave Matthews Band. That was the last concert I had been to, I believe. But I'm awkward at concerts. I don't sing. I don't. I definitely don't dance. Um, and so I don't know. So when people are jumping up and down all around you, and I'm just like, woohoo! Like long, I don't know what to do. As, as long awkward. as you're not one of these people just filming the entire no, no, no. thing. I'm definitely not one of those people. But I hate the people that literally. Uh, <laughs> The real Kev Nash. You got the Hooper and the real Kev Nash. Kev Nash says devil horns. Oh, yeah. You, know, you got to do <laughs> horns down. How about that? How about that? Uh, I've seen you dance, Kenner. Have I? I've never been drunk at work. Is that Kev Nash? Yeah, Saying the he's Kev seen Nash. you dance. Yeah. I've never. I don't think I have. But well, hopefully on Halloween. The Monster Mash, baby. Yeah, we'll see you The there. Monster Mash. But yes, I'm awkward at concert. Country concert's always a good time, but again, lots of alcohol consumed at country concert. I was heartbreaking this year that there was no country concert. I mean, you could say that about all concerts that were canceled. Yeah. But anyways, we're off the rails here. The, the show has, has taken a huge <laughs> right turn, just like last Friday. Kev, uh, and Kev's not here. Last week, the show was hijacked by his grilling pizza segment that literally just dominated the full three hours of the show talking about grilling pizzas it was unbelievable did he ever say how that turned out yeah he sent us a picture okay it turned out fine i think he said he went the DiGiorno route if i'm not mistaken yep uh, but nonetheless but it sounds like people do that i've never done that never done that um but nonetheless okay um four five seven nine four six four let's see if we can get some callers on that uh don't drop uh you know, non-FCC approved words. But I do know that Scott, I think was his name, he called and, and uh, he apologized. He apologized, which I, that's all we that's all we ask. You know, we're, no hard feelings. He, Scott, can call back. He can call back now. We just have to dump you the second that you say the word that you're not supposed to. That's all. That's all. So we got to talking about baseball. And uh, for a while, I felt like baseball had was failing. I thought baseball was really failing because it just seems that the perception of baseball is never a good one. And when it comes to especially handling the coronavirus, because for the longest time, especially to start the season, we weren't talking about the fact that baseball is back. We were talking about the Marlins having an outbreak um, because players were, you know, they were traced back to sneaking out and going to a club and breaking protocol. And then the Cardinals, same thing. They have a huge outbreak within their ball club. And again, it's traced back to a casino. Pictures begin making the rounds on social media. Uh, they go out when they're not supposed to. And of course, it leads to a team outbreak. And we are 20 games in. The Reds are. 8 and 11 right now. That's 19 games. Tonight's game will be their 20th game of the season, and we're a third of the way through. The Reds will have wrapped up 20 games tonight, and the Cardinals will not play their sixth game until tomorrow. The Cardinals have missed 15 games already. That is unbelievable because of well, their, their players breaking protocol, and it's very unfortunate. Now, so I asked, you know, is baseball succeeding? I think absolutely it is succeeding. Uh, I talked about the tweet that came out earlier from Joel Sherman. I thought it was a very interesting note. I, I never thought, I, I never would have really realized how good baseball was doing as far as handling the virus. Um, but there has not been a positive test in Major League Baseball for two weeks outside of the Cardinals organization. Now, I'm saying, you know, I'm ignoring them because they're they're the team that had the outbreak. 
but it was self-inflicted because you had players going out that shouldn't be. So the fact that in two weeks there has not been a positive test for the car, or uh, there has not been a positive test outside of the Cardinals organization, that is such a freaking win, man, for Major League Baseball, a team that just uh, a, a group that just does not look like they have their ish together, right? Like, they have to, like, they need a bow, they take a bow for this right now. And again, there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and a lot can still go wrong. But uh, I didn't think at all we would get to this point of the season. I thought that once players started getting on planes and traveling across the country and staying in hotels and, and going back to their families at night, and, you know, it's not just going back to their families at night, it's, you know, what their significant others are doing, what their kids are doing, what their family friends are doing when they come over. What if they bring it with them and get them sick and then they take it and pass it along, you know, in the uh, in the clubhouse? Like, bottom line is, is that there is so much that there are so many excuses as to why this could have gone wrong. And it has gone great. The Reds have had players miss some games due to self-reporting, which is the responsible thing to do. And I think that's a – I mean, I don't think enough has been said about the responsibility of the players. We always want to point out all the players who who almost screw everything up. But uh, I applaud a Joey Votto who missed two games for the Reds because he woke up one morning not feeling well. The Reds had to they, they had the first pitch at noon, and you know by the time he did start feeling better and realized that it wasn't COVID and they got tested, it was too late. The game was at noon, and they just said forget it. But he missed two games until they were able to get the test results back. He was negative, so you're like, oh, he missed games and he wasn't even positive. That's a good thing because then he can get back on the field because had he tested positive, it'd be another half a month before you'd see him again. So, and then you had Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel. Same thing. They self-reported their symptoms. They sure they missed a few games. Um, they even, you know, had to challenge the league, and they won the challenge, and they were able to, of course, um, be brought back earlier. The point is, is that these teams are taking it serious. They're doing the responsible thing. For a guy like me who always rips the players and the athletes, I just got to make sure we're pointing out the guys that are doing the responsible thing. Um, but yeah, the fact that the Major League Baseball has gone two weeks without a positive test outside of the team that's had the outbreak, so I don't count them that's a huge win and that's good news for football that is good news for football and uh, we were taking your calls and your facebook reaction to that uh, shout out to nick nick on facebook says um, baseball has done a great job the only issue is of players uh is is of players who broke protocol those missed games should be forfeits um i agree uh, with you, I think though when you start adding in forfeits, you start creating bigger fits. Because what if the Cardinals win one or two more games than the Reds? But the you know like what if they win one or two more games than the Reds, but they don't play a full sixty game season? Uh, I, that, then when you start, then you're gonna have to start looking at win percentages, and then all of a sudden the Cardinals get in who missed more games than the Reds. But it just becomes a mess. It just becomes a mess as far as that goes. I'm not for 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 forfeiting those, but I am a, a big proponent of you know what you've missed 15 games, and it's self-inflicted. I think you should just be done for the year. I loved what the TBT did. It was only a 10-day affair, but hey, you test positive. You know we know it's it's unfortunate. You guys have worked hard, but. We're just kicking you out of the bubble. you got to leave. You, we're not going to risk the entire TBT because of a one team's positive player. I, I like that. I mean, as far as this, you don't kick out a team if they have a positive test. But when you have a team that has a bunch of positive tests because someone snuck out to go to a strip club or because someone snuck out to go to a casino, now that's a problem. And I don't care what Derek Jeter said. He tried to say that they went to get, a, to get milk. Give me a break. Go get milk. Yeah, right. But good job protecting your players, though. Now, you, I said it's a win for football. You were questioning me about that during the break. Just because the amount of players on an NFL team much larger than a baseball team. So if, if you still have the few that go out and, and 
you, you just got a, a larger chance not only of a, a team outbreak, but say 10% of a baseball team gets sick, that's a few players. 10% of an NFL team and all the coaches and just everybody involved in that organization, that would be a huge deal. Oh, it's definitely going to be, and I think you're going to have a situation. I mean, we don't know what who which team that's going to be, but there's probably going to be a team that's the equivalent to the Marlins or the Cardinals in baseball that you have those selfish players who go out and make bad decisions and ultimately not just cost them games, but cost their entire team games. You're going <coughs> to, excuse me, you're going to have that. <coughs> excuse me, Rona. Uh, but I, I think it's a situation where... The toughest thing is to start a season. Look at the Big Ten. All right. I mean, the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12, and the SEC and everyone else, they're saying all the right things, but I don't believe that the SEC is going to play. I still don't believe there will be college football this fall. But if they do, that's a huge win for the SEC because they at least got to kick off. It's tough to start a season during a pandemic. Baseball nearly didn't get it done. All right, there was a lot of concern about whether the NHL can get it done in the NBA. It's tough to get the season started, but once you get it started, you can make adjustments. And that's what Major League Baseball has done. They've made adjustments along the way, and I think the NFL will do the same. But I agree with you. I think that the severity of the outbreaks in football are going to be a lot worse because, for one, you play less games, and you don't have as much time to make up those games. You're not playing two games in a week, so it's going to be interesting how all that works out. But um, nonetheless, that's basically where I sit as far as that. I don't think baseball's in the clear, but I think they're in the clear to kick off coming up here on September 10th, which will be the first NFL game of the 2020 season. September 14th will be the first NFL Sunday, week one, which we're all looking forward to that. All right, hour one in the books, 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. You can also head to Facebook. Goodyear knows why we all love basketball. It's the sound of the buzzer, the roar of the crowd, the swish of the net. It's the spin on the ball as it's released, the squeaking sneakers before an inbound pass, the timeout that gives us perspective on the moment. We love basketball because we love movement. And now that it's back, we're asking you, the fans, what moves you? Goodyear, more driven. As you get back to business, small things can make a big difference. Like marking safe distances with floor tape and posting reminders to wash hands. As always, Granger is here to help. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Free access to product specialists, 24-7 support, safety recovery guides, and more. It's part of our commitment to help you adapt and recover in these challenging times. Call, clickgranger.com or Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Games. All right, now we're two. We are back. I'm Justin Kinner hanging out with you here today on a Friday. I hope all of you had a great week and uh, had some fun plans lined up for this weekend. 
been a long week. Um, we've been able to catch up with many different guests. We were able to catch up with Michael Jr., Max Kellerman. Uh, yesterday, we had ESPN's Jay Williams on the show. We had Reggie Williams, former Bengal, on this week as well. Great stuff there. I had no clue. We all know the history of the Bengals, and they're, they're you know not really ever working out some of the details and the health protocols and everything else that is involved with that potential, you know, how fa- how many fans can attend and what that's going to look like. I'm seeing a lot of press releases or at least a lot of messages on social media from local high schools and high schools throughout the state that are basically putting out uh, information saying, hey, you know, we're not going to be selling season tickets this year. It's going to be general admission and it's going to be limited capacity and those types of things. So it's going to be interesting how different it looks, but I'm hoping that there is fans in the stands. Um, band parents, I'm assuming... Band will be a part of these football games this year, I, I would assume. Um, I tell you what, I, I, I there's always so many things to be depressed about when it comes to uh, this pandemic right now. But sometimes when I walk out of the studio, I could hear the band over at Fairmont High School. And it's depressing because when, when I hear the band, man, I right away, that's when my, my juices get going for high school football. There's no better feeling than you know during the high school football season, at least for me, uh, when Keith Byers and I, we bring the games to you guys every Friday for the G-Walk. You know, there's no better feeling than when I get out of my car and, and I'm walking up to the press booth, you know, to the to the press booth up there, and you could just hear the band, and you're just walking. Oh man, there's nothing better. You hear the crack of the pads, the team getting fired up. You know, the fans in the stands. You could smell the popcorn. I mean, there's no better feeling than that. I know it's not going to be the same, but I'm hoping that there's just some some familiarity, some something that's going to at least make it feel like football season. And uh, I hope that the band's a part of it. I hope there's cheerleaders. I hope that there's fans. I hope that these student-athletes get the chance to experience some of this. Because for some who are seniors, it's going to be the last go-round, and I don't want it to be in empty stadiums and a, and a basically an experience that you just want to forget. This will be memorable one way or another. I'm just hoping it's in a positive way. OHSAA's Tim Street, uh, he joined us earlier in the week, and I was able to talk to him about, you know, what's kind of going on behind the scenes. What is the responsibility of the OHSAA um, in building some of these protocols, how closely they are working with Governor DeWine in his office? Um, and it's, you know, very good interview uh, with Tim Street. In fact, I even asked him, what is the exact role of the OHSAA as far as what power they have and what's the limit of decisions that they can make on behalf of member schools here in the state of Ohio. You will notice at a certain point that I do ask him about if Ohio State season gets canceled, how is the, how is the what's the perception going to be if high school football kicks off in Ohio State? Can't remember we did this interview in the the morning that it was announced that the Big Ten was pulling the plug on the season, so it sounds dated slightly. But I wanted to make sure we shared this interview with you one more time. Here's our conversation with OHSA Director of Communications Tim Street. I'm doing good, Justin. Thanks for having me on. That's great to hear, Tim, and thank you again uh, for taking time and hanging out with us. Last Friday, uh, the OHSAA released a football update um, with some changes to the upcoming regular season, and obviously everything is changing day to day, and you guys have uh, adapted to those changes working with Governor DeWine and, and his staff, which we'll talk about here shortly. But a lot of new changes to the way the upcoming season is going to look, including six regular season games. All teams will be uh, playing in the OHSAA playoffs this coming up year. Season still begins the week of August 24th. The playoffs will begin on October 9th. So many moving pieces here. Everything's changing day to day. What kind of went in behind the scenes to the, to this approach um, as far as how this upcoming 2020 high school football season is going to be played and handled? Sure. Well, I tell you, Justin, you're right that things uh, seem like they change almost every day, and it's been a uh, a very uh, um, 
uh, amazing and stressful and uh, roller coaster of a summer and, and early fall so far, but uh, we're just keeping our fingers crossed for approval from the governor for our final three fall sports that uh, have been deemed high contact. And of course, football is the, the most prominent of those that people talk about the most. So I'm sure we'll get into that. But, you know, in terms of, um, you know, this past Friday with the uh, announcement of the revamped football season, you know, that did happen very quickly, um, like so many things have happened quickly uh, this summer. Um, we got word uh, late in the week that we were being advised and strongly recommended to shorten the football season. And so when we got that information, uh, very quickly we assembled our board of directors and our staff and began putting these pieces together. Um, it, it actually was one of these scenarios that, uh, you know, we have had um, – in the file here, you know, we've had a million different scenarios and options uh, based on what we're permitted to do. And so we were able to uh, bring that out and, um, you know, fine tune it a little bit. And our board of directors uh, voted 9-0 to approve it. So it all came down to, you know, us being, uh, being told that we need to shorten the football season if we want a chance of being approved. And we were able to do that quickly. And so far, the positive uh, feedback has been great to see. Um, I think most people realize we did this um, just give our schools um, as good a chance as possible to have a season and also for those schools that are currently paused that it gives them a chance to get back in the game uh, midseason. So now the the unique thing about this approach is that even if so every team should get 10 games in this season or will have the opportunity to. So if you play your six regular season games and you get eliminated that first playoff game, if I'm understanding this correctly, they still have the freedom to schedule two more games or three more games or whatever to get to 10? Yep, you're absolutely right. Schools can play up to 10 regular season games. And it's a bit of a unique uh, situation to have that in football where you could get eliminated from the postseason and then still play some games. But our schools will be familiar with that concept because it, it is what currently happens in baseball and softball um, where a lot of schools will continue to play regular season games after they potentially get eliminated from the postseason. So, you know, our schools are uh, very flexible. They, they've, uh, they've handled this before, um, even going down to the fact that we're not going to use the computer ratings this year, and our coaches in each region are going to get together and seed all the teams in that region. Well, that's what we do in all the other team sports already, so they're used to doing that. All right, we got Tim Street, Senior Director of Communications for the OHSAA. Good enough to join us here this afternoon uh, on the Justin Kinner Show. And, and you alluded to it next. I, I know you're waiting on Governor DeWine's uh, response and approval. Uh, but is that the? I mean, is that the big domino that's standing in your way right now? Is that is that what is next in this approach as far as the process is concerned? It is, Justin. You're right. And uh, Governor DeWine, from day one, has uh, been the one who has determined uh, what can. Uh, move on in Ohio, what what can resume. Um, and he's been great to work with. You know, he's a sports guy. He he gets it. Um, he knows how important extracurricular activities are. So I, I just I keep stressing that, that he certainly wants a season two. And Lieutenant Governor John Husted has been our main point of contact. Uh, he has been great to work with. Um, he really wants sports to mm -hmm. happen this fall. So I think uh, the, the big... Um, you know, use the word domino, I would say the big task in front of all of us is to uh, be able to put a plan in place where um, we feel that it's um, appropriate to move forward with those contact sports. 
Um, the OHSA certainly believes we should and that we can and that our member schools are ready to do that and, and the majority of them want to do that. And, and that's where we are too. So, you know, uh, I think um, the Ohio Department of Health has uh, a lot of information and data that they collect and use to help make their decisions. So it, it is truly a, a team effort. But, uh, you know, we are certainly hoping to get to that point where all parties are comfortable with allowing our schools to move forward and play games in these contact sports. Tim, it's been interesting looking at how other states have approached uh, their upcoming high school football season this fall. I know in California, uh, they moved their season to the spring, uh, which really got a lot of people's attention. Texas, uh, they pushed their season back a month, at least the last I checked and read. Um, it's interesting seeing the different states' approach. How much of that has played a role in your team's decision-making? Uh, how much have other states' decisions played a role in your decision-making throughout this process as well? Well, we certainly pay attention to what other states are doing. Um, mm -hmm. Our member schools are aware of this, but for, for all listeners, um, Ohio and every state is a member of the National Federation of High School Associations. So it would be the equivalent of the NCAA to what the conferences are. So we're every state, including Ohio, is a member of the NFHS. And the National Federation sends out guidance, um, um, educational materials, uh, you know, there are no national tournaments that they run, but they are basically um, assisting with each state in terms of running high school sports in that state. Uh, we, we work well with the National Federation. We're aware of what other states are doing. Um, I wouldn't say it really helped shape our, um, our plans moving forward um, in terms of what we um, are permitted or not permitted to do, you know, that, that's controlled by the governor and uh, the Ohio Department of Health. So we're aware of what other states are doing, but, um, you know, I think every state has, has really its own unique circumstances. And uh, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned some of the states that have already made changes. Um, I think they have to do what's right for their state. Um, and in Ohio, we want to move forward and play all of our fall sports this fall. Um, I think the Federation supports that, to be honest with you. I, I think that in the materials that um, the uh, executive director and the National Federation has put out there, they just keep on stressing over and over again how important extracurricular activities are to the overall health. And by health, I mean mental, social, emotional, physical, all those things, how important that is to students. Tim, yesterday, obviously, so much attention being given to the Big Ten in Ohio State as so many reports began circulating that the Big Ten commissioner was about to announce that they were going to pull the plug on the 2020 college football season, at least from the Big Ten's perspective, which obviously impacts the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it, it got brought up on numerous occasions uh, from different callers yesterday and from listeners, and even Kevin myself debated this about the perception of if the Buckeyes do not play in 2020, how can high school football players play in 2020? If it's too dangerous for the Ohio State Buckeyes to play during a pandemic, how can we have these high school kids play? And I guess the question I have is, is I know they're totally separate entities, but I think it's a perception question. Does the perception of Ohio State not playing in 2020, if that happens, does that perception impact you and your team's decision-making moving forward? Well, it really does not. And uh, I've tried to stress this a few times here in the last 24 hours, and <clears throat> we'll continue to do so. <clears throat> but, you know, the college level is, is so much different than the high school level. You know, at, at a college, let, let's take Ohio State, for example, they have uh, students 
and student athletes coming to that huge campus from all over the country and and some of our colleges in the country have of course international student athletes coming from all over the world so you have all those uh, students from all over the country coming to a large city um, to a large campus they're living together um, and that that certainly is a hugely different dynamic than what we have at the local level at our high schools. So that's number one. Number two, what's different is, you know, when Ohio State plays a game or any Division One college plays a game, the travel involved is so much different than what we have at the high school level. You know, at Ohio State, for most of their games, they're going to get on a plane and fly somewhere or they're going to bus for three or four hours to get there. Uh, that And across multiple states, you know, that is such a different dynamic than what we have at the high school level. So we think those two things in particular make college football so much different than high school football. Um, obviously at the college level when they leave the, the facility uh, or the practice uh, area, they're going to go live in their apartments, they're living with other people, they're, they're certainly have that dynamic involved. Um, at the high school level, you know, kids leave practice, they go home. And that that's so much of a different and and, and in many ways, safer dynamic than what is existing at the college level. And, uh, you know, we've said it all summer, and we continue to say it, that we can't think of a better or safer place for student-athletes to be than at school with their teammates and with their coaches. We, we think that our high school coaches in Ohio um, are some of the best in the country, and uh, if there's anyone that's going to be able to move us forward and have a football season, it is our Ohio football coaches. All right, Tim Street, senior director with the OH, senior director of communications with the OHSAA. Good enough to take time out of his busy de- uh, day during this time to hang out with us a little bit. Tim, I want to send you out with this. Um, obviously, during this time, you are not going to make anybody. You're not going to make everyone happy at one time. You're, you're always going to have pockets of people who are upset and critical, and pockets of people who are happy. I think that's just the nature of everything going on right now. Um, but one thing that has come up many times has been what is the what is the exact role of the OHSAA as far as in regards to the what decisions you can make on behalf of schools where is the line in the sand like what what decisions are you allowed to make on behalf of schools as far as being a governing body of all ohio high school uh, athletics yeah great question i tell you that's uh, been brought into the spotlight a lot this summer even back to last march and it'll continue to be so um, I'll give you the real quick answer, Justin, but then take this if you want to go down a different direction. But mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, uh, the OHSA is a private association. Uh, we're a nonprofit. Um, our, our schools are volunteer members. Uh, they don't have to be a member of the OHSA. In fact, there are high schools and, and secondary schools here in Ohio that are not members. Most people would realize that most high schools are a member because um, they want to be in, in the official postseason tournament. Uh, but not all are members. Um, but they're, they're volunteer members. They don't pay membership dues. Uh, the OHSA establishes the playing dates, when the season starts, when it ends. We coordinate the tournaments. And then also we are the governing body for the bylaws that our member schools vote into place. Our member schools determine the Constitution and the bylaws, and then the OHSA staff is charged with enforcing those bylaws. So that's really our role. You know, when um, when uh, on March 10th, uh, let's go back to that Tuesday, mm-hmm. we were getting ready for our girls' basketball and wrestling state tournaments, and uh, Governor DeWine said, you, you can have them, but you have to greatly reduce fans, just, just families. Well, we had to do that then. 
Uh, that's just one example. Another common example is that in um, late April, Governor DeWine announced that our school campuses and our, our school facilities would remain closed throughout the rest of the school year. Well, if that's the case, then we cannot have high school sports. So, you know, the governor and the Ohio Department of Health are way above the, I guess if you want to use the phrase, the power level. Um, uh, they're, they're so much uh, higher than the OHSA. We're, we're, a, we're a private nonprofit. Um, our schools are volunteer members. Uh, so it's definitely a different dynamic than what, um, what you have in some other areas. For example, the Ohio Department of Health, obviously that's a state agency. Um, a lot of people think that we're a part of the Ohio Department of Education. Um, but we are not. We're, we're our own uh, small office here, and we're going to do the best we can to, to run the tournaments and help with the bylaws that the schools put in place. All right. Well, good stuff. Tim, thank you uh, so much for taking time and just kind of bringing some clarity to a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I know this isn't an easy time. Anytime I have someone on the show right now that is in a decision-making role or within a team of decision-makers, I always say I don't envy you right now. <laughs> I know your job's very rewarding, but I, I don't envy you right now uh, as far as being in this situation. But uh, I know you and your team are more than capable of doing this, and you're doing a great job. And I know a lot of people are just excited to hopefully get to see not. Zach Plesak is easily my least favorite player in all of sports right now. Like, the guy is an absolute moron. Plesak, uh, both say that they have been unfairly cast as bad people after COVID isolation. So Mike Plesak goes and, and he and he goes to Instagram and he does this long six-minute waste-of-your-time um, explanation for what exactly went on. So let's set the stage. So the, obviously the Indians, one of the top teams in baseball, one of the top pitching rotations in baseball. Uh, we've talked about the dumb team, the teams who have had those self-inflicted wounds, teams like the Marlins, who had players that were traced back to going to um, a club, a nightclub. And, and again, they're all things that you're probably making an argument saying, well, we have to live our lives, you know, we can't just stay, you know, locked up and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, when you've committed, when you've had a chance to opt out of playing Major League Baseball, and you've had a chance to say, you know, I mean, you basically baseball tells you here's what you're going to be going through over the next however many months that the season's going to be. You have a chance to opt out or you can play. You have a choice. So by choosing to play, you have chosen <clears throat> that you have chosen that uh, you're going to deal with a lot of the things that you're going to be sacrificing. And a lot of that is, is, okay, I'm not going to be able to hang out with my buddies like I used to. I'm not going to be able to go out late and party. And I, I'm going to have to be a lot more disciplined with who I surround myself with because keep in mind it's not just like regular common folk like you and I that if we hang around in a bad area or something and we get sick it's not like we're costing me or anyone else millions of dollars all right and again and again by the way I'm not saying to disrespectfully go out to be around whoever and catch the virus and spread it because hey we don't have millions of dollars on the line but I'm just telling you right now if my company was paying me a million dollars, and they said, but if you do get sick and you go somewhere you're not supposed to and you end up uh, spreading the virus throughout the building, you are fired and you do not get your million dollars, uh, you bet your ass I'm going to be very cautious about who I'm around and what I'm doing. And I'm already pretty cautious now. I'm not one of those people that's locking myself up in my house and not coming out and seeing the light of day. Um, but I, I try to be very cautious and respectful to those who, you, you know, basically think that if you go around anybody, you're going to catch the virus. And I think that that's how you have to be throughout all of this. And you have to be respectful of everyone else. Just because you choose not to take it serious doesn't mean that those who do take it serious are wrong. And you may not like my response to this, but if 
those who do take it serious and you don't and you're being rude and you're you know not wearing a mask and all that, you're wrong, period. Don't care if you like that response or not. That's just the reality of it. Because the cuckoo people that are locking themselves up in a house and not doing anything, that's not harming you. That's not going to put you in harm's way. And if anything, it's actually probably protecting you. By you choosing to be, you know, a rebel and not believing in this virus, and I'm going to go wherever I want and do whatever I want, you and your selfish actions actually make you a jerk, and they put you in a situation where you can get the the cautious people sick. Now, you may not care about getting sick because your actions display that, but those who are taking it serious, I think it's very disrespectful that you put them in that situation. And that's exactly what Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger have done in this situation. Keep in mind, they have been vilified because... For one, Zach, please second this video goes on to say, I don't know who the media thinks they are telling me that I'm a horrible person. Yeah, I went out with friends after a game. Uh, I went out with friends after a game, me and some friends, and we stayed out late. And we were, you know, playing video games and all this. And and basically, he doesn't apologize. He just doubles down. You have a, a form, you have a current teammate that opted or that chose to play this year despite being vulnerable to the coronavirus after you know battling leukemia and you would think that as his teammate that you would be a little bit more cautious and respectful now again the, my favorite people well maybe maybe that pitcher who had leukemia shouldn't have played it maybe shouldn't have put themselves in this situation it's not fair to make everyone else not live their life yeah you're an awesome person i bet you when i go to your facebook page and twitter it's going to say god lover and i'm a christian and all this stuff but you're going to turn around and say oh how horrible uh it is of the guy with leukemia to play baseball and make everyone else change their life give me a break give me a break zach please Zach, going out the way he just did and basically doubling down and, and saying that the media is wrong for vilifying him. No, you are wrong. You are dead wrong. I mean, look at the Marlins. Look at the look at the Cardinals. You are, I mean, they just these guys just don't care. They don't care. And I don't I mean there's a part of me that understands, you know, you don't want to be cooped up and, and bottled up for too long and eventually, you know, you get stir crazy and you want to go out. But the difference is is if I get stir crazy and go and make a mistake, oh gee, there goes my ten thousand dollars a year i make right like you know there's a big difference between that and the millions that he's making and the millions that the people around him are making and oh yeah everything that baseball did to try to get this season going you're going to be that wonderful person that ruins the entire thing because ultimately to me i like as we talked about earlier baseball is kicking ass for this right now you got the guys who are kicking ass and then you got the dumbasses. and that's that's police act right now and that's mike clevenger guys who knew better who went out i mean and he literally sits there and says i mean we didn't even do anything wrong i mean i came back and i and i broke curfew well okay <laughs> so you did screw up like curfew's there for a reason they don't want you down and my favorite people by the way is oh well yeah you know dewine you, apparently you can't catch covid after 10 no you can't go drink at bars after 10 because they're trying to keep people from gathering real late at night because that's usually around the time any time after 10. Some old people like to go to sleep. Other young people like to go gather at bars and be crunched in shoulder to shoulder, you know, having a good time. It's just a way to be able to try to minimize the gatherings of people. All right. And just like in Major League Baseball, when you are putting these restrictions in and and you're putting in these rules of, of curfews, it's not done because all of a sudden the curfew or because the virus is more dangerous late at night. No, it's just trying to keep people from gathering late at night because let's be honest the later the night goes usually you're cooped in your house going to sleep watching tv or if you're out it's usually because you're out in a party setting and you're around a lot of people it's just done to minimize the risk i don't know why we got to make things harder than what they are i mean zach please echo the league i don't even know why they put a curfew i mean i'm an adult give, give me a break we're all adults. Oh, I don't know why they put a curfew, a 10 o'clock curfew at the bars. I mean, does the virus all of a sudden more dangerous later? No. 
But moron, moronic drunk people like you are going to continue to sit at a bar around shoulder to shoulder with other people, and it's just going to minimize the risk. It's not that hard to figure out. In fact, I really believe that people understand these things. You just choose to be a pain in the ass about it, and that's what guys like Zach Plesak are doing. But you have a teammate that's very vulnerable to this virus, and it's one thing if he catches it because, you know, he catches it from someone on the other team who maybe didn't do what they were supposed to, which is unfortunate, but he shouldn't have to fear his own teammates. It's one thing to fear the outside world and to fear that, but you should be able to feel comfortable amongst your teammates, and he can't even do that. And guys like Zach Plesak are sitting here trying to be the real victims. Give me a break. Give me. I'm not, I, I've never been an Indians fan to begin with, but these two make them. They, they make me hate them even more. You know, the, the real team in Cincinnati. You know, the team that's not as good as the Indians, which drives me nuts as I'm going through this. But uh, you know, you have the Cincinnati Reds who are being as cautious as possible, as responsible as possible. You have Joey Votto self-reporting. You have Mike Mustakis self-reporting. You have uh, Nick Senzel self-reporting. And they're missing games, and they don't even have the virus, but they're just being cautious because they have enough respect for the teammates around them, and they have enough respect for the organization to say, hey, we're going all in. And then you have morons like Zach Plesak here saying, well, you can't just keep me bottled up at night the whole time. Then opt out. Go be, you know, go enjoy your life and have fun, but don't risk everyone else's life around you. And that sounds dramatic, risking everyone else's life, but livelihood. You know, look at the Cardinals. They've missed 15 of the first 20 games. Now, you know, we're not talking about guys, you know, becoming deadly ill, but at the same time, how much money are they missing if they don't make up those games? Which in a season where you're already missing it, not getting paid your full amount because of the shortened season. I'm Justin Kenner with you here. It's the Justin Kenner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio. 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, are they in the wrong? They're defending themselves, saying they've done nothing wrong. Are they, in the, they are definitely in the wrong, in my opinion. Or are we being too harsh? Is the media overblowing the uh, the story of Zach Plesak, again, going out past curfew, being around a large group of people that he shouldn't be around, and uh, putting himself at risk? And not just that. If hey, you want to go get yourself sick, fine. But when you risk teammates' health who are vulnerable to this, then I have a big problem with that. That's, like, that's the most selfish thing right there. You don't care about your own self and your own health, and you don't want to take this serious? That's fine, but you can't not care about it to the point to where you're going. If you're Zach Plesek, then you go out and put yourself in a position where you could potentially harm those around you who do take it serious. And I, I think that's just a microcosm of how this entire world has approached this thing. You have some people who take it serious and other people who don't. And some somehow, some way, the people that actually follow uh, the direction of health officials are made to feel like they're the stupid ones. And, and I'll never understand that. I'll never understand that. All right, let's get off that, and uh, we'll talk a little Ohio State Buckeyes coming up. Justin Fields, Justin Fields, there's, well, they put the odds out as far as where you can expect to see him next season. And uh, I'm curious, where do you expect to see him play next season? Head to Facebook, follow the Justin Kenner Show, leave your reaction in the comments section. We'll get to that when we come back. Plus, we will be able to give you the Reds lineup when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kenner Show next. Justin Kenner with you here. It's the Justin Kenner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. The Reds will wrap up a four-game series with the Pirates. Game two tonight, games three and four, Saturday and Sunday. They'll be off on Monday. 
So again, tonight, 7-10, your first pitch, 6-40, the pregame. We'll have lineups coming up for you top of the hour, 5 o'clock. Last two nights as the game has gone on, I mean, it's been the the, early, the first couple innings that the Royals and the Pirates have just been able to jump all over the Reds and give the bullpen credit, although they've given up a few runs since coming in. The Reds have been in position late in both ball games where the offense has started to come alive. It was 9-1 early and you lose 9-5 or 9-6 or whatever last night's final score was um, and the bullpen did enough to be able to give the Reds a potential chance to be able to put up some runs uh, to give them a shot for a comeback that's that's I guess a, a mini win I don't know I'm not going to give them too much credit for that because they need to start performing when the games count and matter and not when you're down large uh, the Reds had a chance to win two nights ago and the bullpen did a good job when Wade Miley uh, had his, his had his start blow up in his face but tonight Sonny Gray will be on the mound we'll have your lineups coming up for you here in just a moment. So what's next for Justin Fields, the Ohio State star quarterback who uh, you could put right in the Heisman competition, in the, in, the, in the conversation for this year, uh, was obviously a Heisman finalist last year, and it was obviously going to be the one, in, part of the conversation this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is still a guy I think is the best quarterback in college football. I don't think the gap between him and Justin Fields is large, but I do think that there is a gap between the two. I mean, you have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who won a national championship game as a freshman, uh, and then his second Second year as a sophomore, led his team to the national championship game for the second straight season, including beating Ohio State and Justin Fields, um, and was most likely going to get back to the championship game this year. In fact, Clemson was my pick to win uh, the 2020 national championship if it would had been a normal season. And who knows? I mean, let's say that somehow, some way, the ACC and the SEC find a way to get this season off the ground in the, in the Big 12 as well. Who knows? Um, but uh, I do anticipate that if they play deep enough into the season to where you could at least form a college football playoff, Clemson's going to be there at the end, and they are my national champion. And I'd be saying that whether Ohio State and the Big Ten was playing or not. No, that's not a troll job. I just believe in the third-year quarterback being Trevor Lawrence, who I think is going to be the favorite to win the Heisman, even on a normal year, with Justin Fields. The bottom line is, is every year in the draft, you always have those quarterback 1A, 1B type guys. This year's group is going to be that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, where you look at and say, which of these two are we going to be talking more about years from now? And many people say, can you look at Trevor Lawrence? He's like the next Andrew Luck. He's going to be the guy. Justin Fields, in my opinion, no matter what he would have done in 2020, it would not have been enough to surpass Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, um, unless Justin Fields goes out and has a a Joe Burrow-like season. And it wasn't too far off from that last year, uh, but Joe Burrow was just perfect. I mean, no mistakes, zero mistakes, as far as I'm concerned. But what's what's next for Justin Fields? And Kev and I, when Kev's in, we always argue back and forth about what he should do. And uh, I think that he's playing with house money right now. If you are Justin Fields, you are already being looked at as one of the top quarterbacks in next year's NFL draft, whenever that may be. The draft's supposed to be in Cleveland, April 29th through May 1st. Uh, whether or not that's still going to happen or not, we don't know. We know that the or that the NFL did the draft virtually last year. They may do that again, you know, again coming up in April. Who knows how that's going to work? But I think the big question I have is 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 the NFL going to push the draft back? Um, you know, the NFL, let's be clear here. We could sit here and say that the NFL runs everything and that college needs to beat to the, you know, they need to march to the to the beat of the NFL's drum. The NFL's not stupid. The NFL has the perfect situation. They have the ultimate feeder system. It's better than the minor leagues uh, for Major League Baseball. It's better than the G League uh, for the NBA. Nothing beats this situation that the NFL has. They have a free feeder system. Major League Baseball, look how much money. I mean, when it came time to cutting money and cutting you know, losses this year during the pandemic, what did they do? I mean, it was easy. You cut your minor league system. You don't even have a season. The Dragons didn't play. The Bats didn't play. 
You know, you, you are dependent on them. You, you look at the G League. There's talks now as the NBA, you know, they're so focused on trying to find a way to get the next, get next season started. And by next season, I mean, you know, camp opening up in November, you know, a month after a potential game seven in mid-October for the NBA finals. So, to me, the NBA is having to decide how much money are we going to pump into our G League. Is it even worth having the G League this coming up season? Major League Baseball cut ties with all their minor league teams for the 2020 season. And the NFL... What are they worried about? Oh, okay. Well, we just need to move our draft back because our feeder system is now going to kick off in potentially January, February, or March. So we'll just move our draft back. The NFL, in my opinion, will move the draft back if fall, if spring football actually happens. If the Big Ten actually kicks off in the spring, if the Big 12, uh, the Pac-12, and, and others follow suit, the NFL's not stupid. They're not trying to go head-to-head with college football. For one, the NFL will always win that battle, but the NFL will lose that battle on the back end. You don't want to risk losing out on getting a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence because you try to play hardball with college football. You don't have to pay a dime to develop Trevor Lawrence. How much money have the I mean, look how much money the Reds had to invest into Hunter Green, and he hasn't done a damn thing for the Cincinnati Reds yet. How much money do the, does the NFL have to invest into Trevor Lawrence? Zero. Zilch, nada. It's a perfect relationship. The NFL will move the draft if they have to. And if there is a college football season in the spring, the big question is, is if you are Justin Fields, do you play? If you are Trevor Lawrence, do you play? Uh, that's, of course, assuming that, you know, if that's the, you know, if the ACC ends up moving their season. Justin Fields, in my opinion, if there is going to be a fall kickoff for the SEC, for the ACC, if I'm Justin Fields, I enter the transfer portal. As painful as that is for Buckeye fans, because you have everything to gain and nothing to lose if you're Justin Fields. Now, you can say, well, he has nothing to gain or nothing to lose. He could just not enter the transfer portal. Um, he could just, you know, call it a career and, and enter the NFL draft. Sure. But the thing is, we've seen how some quarterbacks are treated who have only started one full year in the NFL. doesn't always end well. Uh, I heard Colin Cowherd on his show uh, kind of break this down, and I thought it was it. You know, he brings up Mitch Trubisky, who, you know, the Bears took him very high. And look, I mean, he didn't start many games. You want, you know, you want to look at, uh, I mean, for instance, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. I mean, he's a guy that I thought should have been picked way ahead of Daniel Jones. The Giants take Daniel Jones at number six. Dwayne Haskins drops all the way to number 15 to the to the Washington football team. And, uh, and they're still not sold on Dwayne Haskins. And I'm curious how sold NFL teams are going to be on Justin Fields after only one season of starting. And Justin Fields isn't going to get a good feel for that because there's no combine. There's no uh, workouts or anything that he's going to be able to do to get those answers. You know, for some, after one year, like Dwayne Haskins, he had enough answers to know that, okay, if I go into the draft, I'm going to be taken, you know, semi-high or whatever. Obviously, he dropped. But Justin Fields isn't going to get that. He's not going to get that opportunity. He has to decide right now. And if I'm Justin Fields, I definitely hit the transfer portal. I definitely go back to Georgia if I can. I definitely potentially lead Georgia to the SEC championship, knock off Alabama, and potentially run into Justin Fields, uh, I'm sorry, into Trevor Lawrence and Clemson again in the national championship game. How cool would that be? I'm not against it at all. If I'm Justin Fields, I enter the transfer portal. If I'm Justin Fields, I go back to Georgia. If I'm Justin Fields, I lead Georgia to a national championship or an SEC championship, and he's definitely going to be 1A, 1A.1 when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. As of right now, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. Justin Fields is super competitive. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets that itch to transfer right now and guarantee that he gets a chance to play in the SEC coming up this fall. Your thoughts? 457-9464. Let's go to Pete. Pete, thanks for holding. How are you, sir? 
appreciate you taking the call. Absolutely. Listen, this uh, this spring football, mm-hmm. I, I know everybody around the country, or at least in uh, Ohio maybe, wants to have it. But my big question is, I guess it's not a question, it's an observation that, you know, in in February, up in, when they go to, when they're proposing to start the season, it's pretty damn cold up in uh, Madison and Pullman, Washington, and it's nasty. It's, a, it's just a, it's a bit chilly. It's just a bit chilly. A couple inches of snow on the ground, no biggie. Get your shovels out, right? It's a big <laughs> difference in playing in say November. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, don't, we no longer play in December. We kind of take that off for the bowl games. Well, I mean, even the Big you know, Ten championship game in December, it's always December 4th or 5th. That's, you know, that's in Indianapolis. That's in a, it's in a dome. So even well, the Big Ten, yeah, you know, they, they don't play. I mean, I'm just saying, you, yeah, you get some cold weather games down the stretch, but you're maybe playing in three of those. Now you want to play a full eight-game season in that type of weather. I mean, I don't know if that's even smart for Justin Fields to attempt that. I don't think it's in If you're going to put some tape down, that's not the – you don't want to be playing in Pullman, Washington – Come uh, early February, you don't want to be planning. You don't want to be planning Ann Arbor in early February. So, and you, and think about some of that snow they get up in Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't think Justin Fields or any of these guys want to put any any tape down. You're right. I, I, and like let's not, and you bring up a good point. Like let's say Justin Fields does decide to play come spring, and then all of a sudden he his numbers aren't as sharp as what they were a year ago, and it could be weather related. But then we'll be sitting here nitpicking some things of well, how come he couldn't make that throw? How come he couldn't make this throw? Well, you're comparing film from his first year as a starter in beautiful weather compared to maybe you know in the teens or low twenties for eight games starting in January. So no, you bring up a good point. I just didn't. I've been you know looking around and listening. And, and and reading things, I just hadn't seen any of these uh, uh, experts talk about weather conditions in early February. I mean, you know, mid-February, early March. Now, granted, it'll get better at the end of the season, but I think that's going to affect a lot of these young men's uh, senior season or their final year of eligibility. And right. I just, like I said, I just wanted to put that out there and... All right, Pete. Thanks so much, man. Much appreciated. He brings up a good point. And Pete brings up that weather, and that has been brought up by a few critics, especially, you know, whether it's on Fox Sports, ESPN, what have you. But that's all the more reason why, and to call it spring football, that's so stupid. Just call it winter football. It's not like, I I keep dying laughing when I hear, oh, yeah, they'll just play in the spring. Well, the spring game's in April. And you're talking about kicking off the spring season in January. Folks, that's a winter season. Like, stop it. Hell, in, in college, that's winter semester. I mean, for us, that's our winter book. That's winter. January's winter. So let's stop calling it spring because January, it, it's, it's winter. So you want to postpone your fall season to kick off in the winter season. Let's just call it what it is. Um, th- that's all the more reason why I don't. Justin Fields will not play a down of football in the winter or spring, whatever you want to call it. Bottom line is, I think there's a better chance you see Justin Fields still play come this fall. It just won't be for Ohio State. He needs to enter the transfer portal. My concern, though, about entering the transfer portal is this, though: you enter the transfer portal, you try to transfer to just say Georgia, for instance, or maybe LSU. Okay, maybe they luck into another huge transfer like they did with Joe Burrow. 
My big thing is, is okay, let's say you transferred to LSU and then they moved the season to the spring or the winter. Well, the whole reason you transferred is because you had no intentions of playing in the spring and you only transferred right now to give yourself a shot to play this fall. Well, if they move it to the spring, it's like, well, hell, if I was going to play in the spring, I might as well have stayed with Ohio State. That's the only sticky situation I see developing if you are Justin Fields. But do you see Justin Fields transferring? Does, is, has Justin Fields, regardless of what happens, spring football, fall football, even though it won't be for Ohio State, but he could play for another team, I'm curious that by entering the transfer portal, has Justin Fields taken his last snap as a college quarterback? Four five seven nine four six four, or we'll get your reaction uh, coming up here on Facebook. Uh, real quick on Facebook, uh, Chris Harold says, uh, I'm curious... Where does Joe Burrow, where would Joe Burrow have went in the NFL draft if COVID-19 hit a year earlier? That's a great point, Chris. In fact, uh, Joe Burrow even said that had the, uh, you know, timings, everything. Joe Burrow tweeted out that had this happened a year ago, he would be looking for a job right now. <laughs> and it's true. Joe Burrow would be looking for a job right now. A year ago at this time, Joe Burrow was projected to be a fourth or fifth round NFL draft pick. He only went on to win a Heisman, go undefeated, win a national championship, and be the number one overall pick. And he got rewarded for it by going to one of the most embarrassing organizations in all football. Hi, hour three coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner with you here. It is the Justin Kenner Show here on a Friday, Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410, Wing AM. 457-9464. That's the number you can call in to join in on the conversation. Keep in mind, coming up here a half hour from now, how are you feeling? How are we looking? All that. We got uh, Terry Lukemeyer, the producer director of the Marty Brenneman documentary, How We Looking, coming up at 5.30. Excited to talk with Terry coming up about what all went into to this documentary. Uh, anytime you get to sit down and have a conversation with Marty, that is a treat in itself. But he got to sit with Marty long enough to get a whole conversation, to get a whole. And uh, every time uh, you interact with us in the comments section during the show on Facebook, that's all, I mean, that's all you got to do to enroll uh, and uh, having a chance to win a sleeve of the Justin Kenner Show golf balls. It is that simple. Um, I. Took a couple with me the other day to golf, and I only lost two of them. But I, I don't like using them. I'm always afraid I'm going to lose them. But if I lose them then, and they're out and about, that's good publicity, right? So I need you guys to help me out by being bad golfers as well and get that out there. But if uh, by commenting and interacting throughout the uh, Justin Kinner Show on Facebook where we are live, uh, you'll be automatically enrolled into the, into the contest and, uh, next Friday, a week from tonight. We will look at, we, again, we register every name that appears in the comments section. We will take all those names and draw a winner next Friday. We will contact you through your Facebook page that you comment in the comments section on. So to win a sleeve of the Justin Kinner Show golf balls, again, all you got to do is interact with the show. Head to Facebook now. Search the Justin Kinner Show. Like the page. Comment. Hang out with us weekdays um, from 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. All right, um, getting a lot of reaction to our conversation uh, before the break about Justin Fields. Look, I, I'm a big Justin Fields fan, and I, I just think that, look, it's unfortunate that he's not going to be able to play with Ohio State this fall. But to expect him to be loyal to the Buckeyes and to play with them this spring, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I, and keep in mind, folks, when we talk about spring, we're not talking April. All right, we're, we're not talking May. We're talking January. You heard Ryan Day. You heard Urban Meyer and others all pitch that if – you know, if there's going to be a spring season, that it needs to start 
early spring in January. Well, that's an idiotic comment, Ryan Day, because early spring is not January. That's winter. <laughs> like, that, that, that's ridiculous. Like, so when we're talking about kicking off in the spring, then kick off in, in April. You know, they don't, I mean, even spring training gets underway, I guess, in February, which is, uh, but again, at least it feels like spring in Arizona. It feels like spring in Florida. But uh, head to the shoe in January and tell me that it feels like spring. <laughs> it, no, it's it, that's that's winter. You want to play in the in the freezing cold and the horrible conditions. If you're Justin Fields, your best chance of playing college football this this season is going to be this fall, and that's if there is still is a season. I know the ACC, I know the Big Twelve, I know the SEC. They're adamant that they're playing. And a part of me is excited about that, by the way. But you know, it, it's football. I'm going to get a chance to watch football. I'm just not holding my breath. I still think the plug will be pulled on those conferences ultimately. But what if what if the plug is not pulled? What if that season starts and Justin Fields has that itch to play and wants to play and wants to improve uh, and wants to prove to NFL scouts that, yes, what last year was just not a shot in the pan. Um, you know, look, at you, you could sit there and say the same thing about how dominant Dwayne Haskins was in his one year as a starter for Ohio State. And he still dropped all the way to number 15. Should have been taken number six overall by the Giants. They, t- they chose to take Daniel Jones out of Duke. And, and we all know how that worked out. And Dwayne Haskins... I- I don't have a, an opinion, good or bad, about him. I thought last year, you know, he seemed mentally out of the game. There was a point where they looked to put him in the game, and he was overtaking selfies with fans in the stands. Good news, though, for Dwayne Haskins this year. There won't be fans in the stands anyway, so he won't have any distractions as far as that's concerned. Um, but I am curious how much of only being a starter for one season is going to impact the draft status of Justin Fields, who, by the way, will be drafted. He will be a first-round draft pick. But you got slotted money. I mean, the higher you could be drafted, the better. And you want to give yourself a shot to make as much money early on and guarantee yourself a chance to get drafted. Because Dwayne Haskins lost, I don't say lost, but I mean, he would have made a lot more money being slotted earlier on in that draft than falling where he did at the midway point. Justin Fields doesn't want that. And let's say he does play in the spring, you know, winter. His numbers may not look as good. He may not be, you know, be able to, you know, his numbers aren't going to be as sharp if it's that cold. And maybe they will. You know, he's freakishly talented. I'm just saying there's a lot more that can go wrong playing in January, but you have way, way so much more to gain playing this fall than you do playing in January. So if I'm Justin Fields, I enter the transfer portal. As a Buckeye fan, you shouldn't be mad if he chooses to transfer. That that decision, you, you the Big Ten wasn't loyal to him or its teams. He shouldn't be loyal back to the conference. He's always going to be a Buckeye. You know, me and Kev joke all the time. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Justin Fields will always be a Buckeye, just like Joe Burrow was. But at the end of the day, this is a situation where if I'm Justin Fields, I'm selfish, and I say, you know, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. If I have to go back to Georgia, I will. I mean, how cool would that, how amazing would that story be? Going back to Georgia, leading him to an SEC title possibly, beating Alabama, winning a national championship. Who knows how that's going to go? All I got to say is is that I have no problem if Justin Fields enters the transfer portal, and I don't think Buckeye fans should as well. Uh, leave a comment in the comment section on the Justin Kenner Show on Facebook if you want to chime in on this conversation, or give us a call at 457-9464. We have Mark from Tip City on the line. Mark, welcome in. How are you, sir? Two days in a hey, row. Hey, I bet hey, you don't. You, you, I'm sure you don't agree with me today either, do you? Well, I'm going to tell you what, you're spot on. And I'll oh, you, I'll it's a good Friday. How about that? It is a good Friday. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you why. You make some great points. Do the golf balls float, for one? That's what I want to, that's where I usually hit them. Uh, no, but they, they definitely love trees. They love going deep under the trees, man. It, 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 something about these golf balls, they're really, they're special that way. <laughs> All right, so here's my, here's my thing about, and I, and I just want to expound on a couple of your points, you're spot on. Okay. There's no way you can have spring football because 
if these kids finish their last game in March, they're going to turn right around and go back in the fall and do it again. That's not enough time, I don't think, between seasons. That's number one, in my opinion. Um, number two, as far as Justin Fields, has the NCAA said to like the Big Ten, the Pac-12, your kids can transfer and play immediately, I'm, if, unless I missed it. Is that can they play immediately? Uh, there's been no uh, keep in mind by the way the Big Ten these conferences the some of the big frustration I don't know if you saw some of the outcry from Iowa parents where the coaches like the the players have no clue what their status even is as far as um, you know does this year you know even though they haven't played are they you know are they going to be able to keep their status moving into the next season are seniors right, still going right. to be seniors sophomores still soft they don't even know that so to sit there and say that we know for sure but I highly doubt that knowing the NCAA who's all about the money Justin Fields would get the green light in my opinion but you know what if i'm the big 10 i make everyone's life miserable i have all my players enter the transfer portal with the hopes that they all end up staying but at least make the ncaa's life miserable for a little bit right like <laughs> yeah I, I agree now as far as justin fields entering my opinion he absolutely and i'm a buckeye homer you know he's got to enter and here's why the number one thing that's going to hurt justin fields is Dwayne haskins a one-year quarterback of yep. ohio state who underperformed big time in the NFL. And I think Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Haskins, but he, by him not playing in the fall, his draft stock is going to plummet, I think. He's not getting a chance to showcase himself. Like, if he has to completely set out, which I also think he, he could do, um, he's going to really hurt his draft stock by not playing in the fall. And he needs another year of a great season to really build that draft stock, probably because of Haskins' poor year. Yeah, that and on top of it, and keep in mind, like, the NFL is interesting right now. I mean, you could never have enough quarterbacks, but if you look at every team in the NFL, there's not many that desperately need a quarterback. Some may not be right. sold on their quarterback, but they are financially invested into their quarterback as far as, you know, on a rookie deal. You know, if you could still think your rookie could develop into something, you could put your money elsewhere. People aren't moving on from rookie quarterbacks of, of rookie deals left and right. There's not a lot of teams who have openings as far as you know, ready to take on a project at quarterback. The Patriots, but are the I mean, the Patriots aren't going to be Tom Brady good, but they're not going to be picking one, two, or three in my opinion. How many? T I mean, maybe the Panthers, but they have Teddy Bridgewater. I saw Todd McShay's mock draft that had them taking Justin Fields, but if Teddy Bridgewater is as good as everyone says, they may not even be looking for a quarterback a year from now. Well, I think if you do not if you don't allow kids to enter the transfer portal, and some of these kids who are like NFL type prospects, I think you're going to see lawsuit city. Like, we're going to sue the you know I'm losing out all this money. You're, I think you're going to see lawsuits, and I hate to think that a kid would sue their school or their conference. But if Justin Fields is told no, you can't transfer, and he thinks he just needs one more year before he goes to NFL, you can see a lawsuit. I mean that. And by the way, you're right on. Lawsuits are a very real possibility because let's be clear here. The only reason the Big Ten and the Pac-12 pulled the plug on the season anyway, uh, I'm not saying they don't care about the kids, but they did not pull the plug because of the safety of the student-athletes. They pulled the plug because of, you know, the safety of them covering themselves because lawsuits are a part of everything nowadays. I mean, if you don't Absolutely. like the way someone dresses, you're going to sue them. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, no, I agree with you. Keep in mind, remember they were um, working on that one-time transfer exempt rule? Remember where everyone... you. You could transfer one time.
climate having to sit out a year. That was supposed Correct. to be into effect by now. Every college coach that I spoke to at various levels told me that, yes, that is going to be in effect um, sooner rather than later. But then the virus hit, and they put that on hold. They put that on hold not because they were focusing on the virus, clearly. Uh, they put it on hold because they knew that if they would have blocked off the whole West. Remember, the West Coast was really devastated by this early on, and there was yeah, talks that yeah. all those players are going to want to transfer the portal, enter the transfer portal now and use their one-time transfer exempt to be able to transfer to the East Coast. That's why they didn't you know, make that available at the time. Well, you're also thinking about this. If you're going to let the SEC and the ACC play, and their season is over in January, but the conferences that are going to go in the spring, they're going to come back probably not at, they're going to come back more sore, susceptible to injuries in the fall, and you know that could really hurt a team you know, like Ohio State trying to get back into the top four, but you're coming off a short season where you're at a very short layoff. I mean, I just see mega ramifications for having some teams play in the fall and some, play, some teams play in the, quote, winter. And I love your previous caller's comment. Yeah, let's go up to Madison, or Happy Valley, or Columbus and Ann Arbor in February. And if you're going to call that spring in the middle of a blizzard, uh, you talk about kids whose stats are going to plummet. Wait do they got to play in a blizzard or a foot of snow or sub-zero weather. Yep, but if there was ever a year that you needed a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins, this would be that year, and they're they're obviously not going to have them for that. So, uh, in that yep. situation, but all right, yep. hey Mark, thanks so much for the call, man. Much appreciated. You have a great weekend. You too, buddy. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Reaction uh, to all the talk of Justin Fields as far um, as what is next. I think ultimately the safest bet for Justin Fields probably is to just be done with college. Uh, but I do think that if there's a chance to play in the fall, he should. And that would ultimately be me not playing for Ohio State. Uh, but I would support him a million percent. If he announced t- tonight, tomorrow, that he's entering the transfer portal and wants to return to Georgia or whatever, I'll become a Bulldogs fan for a year. That, I mean, I'll, I was a L- not really an LSU Tiger fan last year, but I watched every Joe Burrow game last year. I was a fan of Joe Burrow. I don't know how much of a fan of him I am now that he's playing for that you know, that team in our South from here. But, uh, you know, I'll always be pulling for Joe Burrow in some capacity, right? Same thing with Justin Fields. And I think deep down Buckeye fans will do the same. For one, Buckeye fans' egos, like you can't let a former Buckeye have success without having to take credit for it somehow, right? And I always joke, I'm like, me, and that's why me and Cal always say, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, unless you're Tate Martell. Because for whatever reason, Buckeye fans love taking all the credit for Joe Burrow and uttering the words, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. But then you have Tate Martell, and yet no one's claiming him. <laughs> like, no one's bragging about that former Buckeye, but Joe Burrow, oh, man, he's ours, right? Like, that's how it works. But, no, I will be uh, a big Bulldog fan supporting Justin Fields, and I'm assuming that's where he would go. Bottom line is, Justin Fields, if there is football this fall, he needs to enter, enter that transfer portal. Go play. Go play. Now, all the other stars for Ohio State, please stay, because I know that you're potentially coming back. But, man, that's a lot of talent on the Buckeyes who are potentially leaving um, as well. And a lot of sad stories about guys who you know opted not to go to the NFL this past year and to come back to play another year, and then the season's pulled out from under them. Um, but we're no strangers to seeing these sad stories develop in college. I mean, we were here in this city. We're impacted by it more than any other athletic team out there as far as an opportunity that you don't know if you'll be able to get back to that point again, or at least anytime soon. What I mean is the Dayton Flyers basketball team. Um, so far, there is not one team or one player in the country I feel worse for than the Dayton Flyers and Obi Toppin, period. I mean, for one, UD has had some fantastic, I mean, this past decade. I mean, it was like a resurgence of the good old days anytime you talk to longtime UD basketball fans. But at the, bot- the bottom line is, is this year was 
as good as those middle, mid-years were this past decade when they were going to the Elite Eight and when they were making deep tournament runs, those were Cinderella runs. Those were teams that weren't top 25. Those were teams that were just good Archie Miller-led teams. But then this past year was different. You weren't just a top 25 team. You were uh, going to be a one seed. You were a top three team in the country. Like that, you don't know when you'll be able to replicate that again. Who knows when that opportunity will come again? Um, Obi Toppin, you know, who knows? I mean, John Morant, I'm watching him right now, the Grizzlies in the NBA playoffs right now, um, getting to see him. John Morant was not really being looked at or talked about at all until the NCAA tournament. Luckily, Obi was talked about a ton this year, but he had you hadn't even seen nothing yet with Obi Toppin until the Flyers got into the NCAA tournament because he was going to be on a national scale like we'd never seen before. If you thought the Flyers were the story of college basketball when they made their Elite Eight run, imagine what the story would have been had Obi Top and Anthony Grant and the Flyers got to the Elite Eight or Final Four this year as the number three team in the country and a potential one seat. Like, this Ohio State stuff is sad. It really is. It's unfortunate. But it's nothing compared to what Flyer fans had to experience with the NCAA tournament, especially because you got right there. You got through the regular season. Uh, you know, you, you obviously didn't get to play in the A-10 tournament, but the Flyers were pretty much set as a one seed regardless of what ended up happening in the in the A-10 tournament. Uh, but, man, that, that's unfortunate. Now, so, to me, there's a lot of sad sports stories out there in, regarding the coronavirus and the teams and opportunities that were taken away. But no team was impacted more by an opportunity taken from them than the Dayton Flyers. Because UD is going to be good moving forward. But with all due respect, and I don't think this is a hot take, they're not going to be top three in the country. They're not going to be a potential one seed moving forward. Anthony Grant and his staff have done a fantastic job. They're going to be good. But they're not going to be like what they were last year. So although they may return to the NCAA tournament, and return to the national scene, it's not going to be like what it was last year, not anytime soon, unless they have a couple more Obi Toppins uh, to reach out for. Speaking of that, um, we're going to get into this around the corner. You know, Sully with the Blackburn Review, uh, he he came on uh, a lot on the show last year, a lot. And uh, he tweeted out earlier today, the Chicago Bulls fired their head coach. And there's an opening there. And, of course, all the rumors are circulating. Who, who are some of the names that could be a good fit for there? Um, Sully put out on Twitter that, you know, Anthony Grant, as crazy as it sounds, would be a fantastic choice for the Chicago Bulls. I said the same thing back when the Cavaliers job opened, mainly because um, Anthony Grant's stock will never be higher than what it is right now. Even if they make the NCAA tournament for the next three straight seasons, making it as a 10, 11, and 12 seed, it's just not going to have the same weight as what the weight of being a three seed this year and a, or I'm sorry, a one seed this year and a top three team in the country. I mean, UD was everywhere to be seen. Anthony Grant's stock will never be higher than what it is now. And should he ever leave the Dayton Flyers, I do not believe that it will be for another um, college basketball program. I believe that it will be for the NBA. And uh, I saw a lot of those same opinions on social media throughout the day. But what also makes the Bulls job semi-interesting is the fact that they're in the running to get Obi Toppin as well. Can you imagine a scenario? And again, I don't want to make Flyer fans panic because I don't think this scenario is very realistic. But to sit there and think that Anthony Grant would never leave if there ever was a time for Anthony Grant to leave... Now's the time to do it if you're Anthony Grant. Because I don't believe he would ever take a job with another college program. I do believe he would leave for the NBA money. I mean, he came from the NBA as an assistant with Donovan with the Thunder. You know, Donovan wins NBA Coach of the Year. And then, of course, you have Anthony Grant who wins, you know, the you know all the Coach of the Year awards, pretty much every Coach of the Year award you could think of in college. His stock will never be higher than what it is right now. He may be a 10 coach of the year in the future. Um, you know, they may, you know, they'll make NCAA tournaments. They'll be a top, 
you know, 25 team. They'll be 17th, 16th, 15th. They're never going to be number three in the country again. They're never going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament again. Anthony Grant's stock is as high as it'll ever be. So when an NBA job opens up like this, I don't think it's dumb to rule out that possibility. Is it likely? I don't think it's likely. But if I'm Anthony Grant, I'm at least considering it. Because let's be honest, if there is no season coming up next year, by the time Anthony Grant and the Flyers take the floor the next time, who knows? I mean, his, he's not going to be, you know, you know you'll kind of not forget about it, but it's not going to be as, as fresh on everyone's mind. And then if the Flyers only win 18, 19 games next year, which is a great year, by the way, it's still not going to feel as special as what it was when the Flyers, you know, won all the games they did this past year, setting records and regular season wins and A-10 wins and everything. That's not going to happen again. They're going to have good seasons moving forward, but it's not going to be like it was last year. If Anthony Grant had ever considered moving up, and taking another job for more money, this would be the chance to do it. Because I don't think he'll have another chance to move up after this year. That's just my opinion on that. I'm just curious people's thoughts on that. But when you when I see NBA jobs open up right now, I, th- I think of Anthony right away. And how fitting would that be as if the Bulls reach out, have that conversation, and say, tell you what, you can be our coach, and we'll draft uh, Obi Toppin. You ever heard of him? Who knows? It's unlikely, but it is something to think about. All right, it's the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We have the Reds lineup coming up for you here in just a little bit once again. When we come back, we're going to talk with Terry Lukemeyer. Terry Lukemeyer is the producer and director of the new Marty Brenneman documentary that will premiere coming up on Monday. I'll tell you where and how you can get tickets. How we looking? The Marty Brenneman documentary produced and directed by Terry Lukemeyer. That's coming up next. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Don't go anywhere. Justin Kenner with you here. It is the Justin Kenner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. As you hear this song in the background, uh, this one belongs to the Reds. That's right. This song I'll never forget a few years ago. Um, I graduated from Van Wert High School, and uh, Marty Brenneman spoke at the uh, the PAC Center, the Performing Arts Center, which I hate that they call it the PAC Center because you're basically saying the Performance Arts Center Center. But regardless, that's an argument for later. So at the PAC Center, Marty Brenneman spoke at the PAC Center. And uh, um, so, of course, you know, went uh, went to Van Wert with him. We got to eat dinner with him. And then after we go to the PAC Center, and a gentleman there in Van Wert uh, wrote this song for him, produced this song, and this one, you know, this one belongs to the Reds. So cool. Uh, and again, Marty, one of the all-time best. I don't know, for those of you who've had a chance on Facebook uh, to catch the trailer for the uh, new Marty Brenneman documentary, How We Looking, which premieres coming up on Monday. I'm excited to bring on our next guest. He's the producer and director of the Marty Brenneman documentary, How We Looking. We have Terry Lukemeyer. Terry, welcome, sir. How are you? 
I'm good. Thank you so much, Justin, for having me on. Absolutely. We appreciate you doing this. Now, I'm not going to lie. I remember watching the Michael Jordan documentary back at the beginning of the year when, when the pandemic basically shut our entire world down. And I'm watching that documentary, and I said, you know, when we always do sports topics out here, like, who is an individual that you would love to see another documentary on that would make you feel the way the MJ doc did? We couldn't come up with one. I was like, there's really not an athlete out there that I care that much about that I would have to be glued to the TV. Maybe LeBron when his career's later. But then I come across your Facebook page, and uh, I see the, the the trailer for this documentary, How We Look It, on Marty Brenneman. I said, oh, my goodness, it's been right there in front of my face the whole time. This is that documentary to challenge the MJ doc for me. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm sure this had to be one hell of a project and a fun project for you as well. Oh, man, it's so funny that you bring up The Last Dance. As I was telling Marty uh, that the movie is coming in at two hours, and he was shocked. He, he's been so humble because... You know, I approached him uh, with my producing partner, Josh Need, uh, to make his movie. And he was like, oh, I'm, I, 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 you aren't going to get filmed out of my career. I'm like, oh, my God, we have <laughs> so much to do our own series on him. It's so great. I'm so proud of the film. When did this? When did you decide that this is something you wanted to do? I mean, again, we all know last year the farewell tour for Marty. Marty was always a guy that anytime you talk to him, I mean, every year we would always say, "All right, Marty, is this it? Is this it?" And he was adamant that when he finished, uh, when he was done, he was just going to go into the the owners into the Castellini's office and just say, "Okay, that's it. I'm done." The day after his last game. And they talked him out of that. They were able to convince him to do the farewell tour, which provided, I'm sure, just so much extra great content for this How, how We Look in documentary. At what point did you realize this is something, a project you wanted to jump headfirst into? Yeah, you know, ironically, uh, we were trying, me and Josh wanted to do a documentary on the Big Red Machine about in 2015. And this is my 10-year anniversary of doing 4192, the, pre, the Pete Rose movie that I did. And I was really chomping at the bit to do another one. And Josh goes, well, you know, next year is Marty's 45th anniversary by the time we got together. I was like, oh, 45 years. I love Marty. I have started playing baseball in 1974 when he started. So I've only known him and Joe and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, we got to do it. And so I started doing research because you really have to become like this expert at what you're doing if you're taking on their own story, right? And Marty was great because he was in, in 4192. And he, he said, well, if you want to do it, I'm happy to be a part of it. And uh, he, was, he was so funny and so humble. And um, he goes, but here's the thing. I think next year might be my last year, and you guys might want to wait. And so we are like, absolutely. <laughs> so you had that scoop. You were sitting on that the whole time. Yeah, a little bit. We had, we had a scoop a little bit on everybody else, which is great. So, <laughs> But it's a double-edged sword because we didn't want to see him retire. We were like, oh, my God, he's still at the top of his game. Oh, I know. And I remember when they announced, uh, you know, I was at Great American Ballpark the day he announced um, that uh, he, he that he announced his retirement. And it was a Reds affiliation, uh, Reds affiliate luncheon. And I'm about to leave. And Joe Zerhue, because I had to leave to get back to do my show. But Joe Zerhue's and he comes over and says, no, Justin, you're you're really going to want to stay for this. And I didn't think anything of it. But I noticed that Amanda Brenneman and her family had walked in. I'm like, well, I've been here for a few years. I've never seen the whole family from already come in. And I noticed he was a little dressed up more than usual. And uh, then I knew something was up and I you know I told Joe I said you made it sound like it was gonna be something exciting there was nothing exciting about hearing that Marty Brenneman was calling it a career after that season oh it's 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 so awful in a lot of ways because he meant I mean I, I don't want to talk to you like he's dead or anything but he just meant so much to Reds fans and myself like even you know when the Reds aren't doing well and they haven't done well in a few years of course and 
after like going, at least Marty was there. <laughs> you know, the familiar voice to keep us entertained and going. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to deal with this season, especially with COVID and everything else. So what is the plan for this? So you, it's it's uh, obviously at a drive-in coming up on Monday, uh, the premiere. You're going to give all the information for that in a second. But what's the what's the plan for after the premiere on Monday as far as where people can a- access this? Yeah, I mean, I have the biggest, uh, you know, out- optimistic outlook on where this might land. I'm really trying for ESPN or FS1, uh, those kind of broadcast uh, things. I think we widen the audience in a lot of ways because we give a lot of homage to some other broadcasters like Vince Scully and, of course, Harry Carey and Bob Euchre and, and the old guys, you know, Ernie Harwell and, you know, Vince Scully. And, and so we think it's bigger than just a Reds market thing. And, uh, of course, I, I, you know, through the COVID thing, I waited patiently to be able to get guys like Kirk Herbstreit and Urban Meyer, who grew up mm-hmm. and big Reds fan. So our big goal is to get a broadcast thing. And then, of course, we'll go video on demand and streaming platforms that the typical distribution stuff then. All right. Well, that's really cool. But uh, I don't want to wait that long. And I know a lot of people want to watch it as soon as they can. So you got the premiere coming up on Monday. Uh, and you're doing it in a very cool setting by considering the times with COVID right now. Uh, a drive-in. And I think this is genius. Give people information of how they can watch this on Monday, where they can get tickets, and where this is being held at. Yeah, it ended up working out okay because we were going to do it downtown Cincinnati, this beautiful venue called the Taft Theater. And then uh, during his uh, Hall of Fame induction, uh, weekend, which, uh, by the way, the Reds have been so supportive of this film, and we were going to tie it into all that stuff. And then, of course, COVID just shut everything down. And then we were like, you know what? This whole driving thing is amazingly awesome. So uh, I grew up out on the east side of Cincinnati, so I've been to the Starlight, talked to them. They were excited to have a night full of just, you know, Marty, uh, we have a live band, we got a Q&A, it's going to be great. So it's Monday night. You can get tickets at StarlightDriveInOhio.com, or you can get information on the event at the How We Lookin' uh, Facebook fan page. And you'll see some other outtake videos and stuff. I think you're definitely one of our Facebook fans, and we appreciate you. No, one of my favorite ones, and again, uh, Millie. The uh, the famous dog of Marty and Amanda Brenneman. That's like the the best part about this because every when you ask people about Marty Brenneman, the oh he's so outspoken. He just says it how it is, and he's just this gruff older guy that is just you know you don't want to get on his bad side. But then you get to see the real Marty Brenneman, and it's so cool. I mean, people people love animals, they love dogs, but then there's Marty Brenneman loving his dog, and the stories of Tom Brenneman sharing how he looked across the street and saw Marty pushing a stroller, and he thought it was a baby, and then they go over, and he's pushing his dog in a stroller. The stories in this thing are fantastic. I cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that didn't make the movie. I'm so excited. Oh, really? (laughs) Like, it's Uncle Marty telling you these stories from the insider, and he's so funny. The other guys are so funny. And I'm telling you, you're going to cry when you see it. There's such sentimentality and stuff that you might be able to guess. But there's also stuff that people think they know, but they're going to learn so much from this movie. I can't wait to, to just unleash this thing Monday. You talked about what people are going to learn watching this. What did you learn? Uh, you got a lot of one-on-one time with them, and you said you know you didn't know him, know him well. But what, what did you learn from the Marty you thought you knew heading into this project to the Marty you now know? Yeah, so it started mostly with the NCAA basketball stuff. Yes. I, I didn't know that, and I, I was a pretty decent fan, and I remember watching the UK-Duke uh, UK game with a Leitner shot. I didn't know that he called that game. 
And so I got that, uh, you know, footage and, and audio of him doing it. And then we go deeper, and of course, he started with the Virginia Squires in the ABA with Dr. J and George Iceman Gervin. And I was like, holy moly, this is amazing, you know, stuff that I never knew how he got, you know, his sports career going before the Reds. So it was fascinating to me. No, it was, and I don't know if you know this one or not, and I'm not going to tell the full story because I can't, but uh, he, the, the, I don't know if he told you this one or not, but the story about Bob Knight had asked him to come down and be their uh, radio voice for Texas Tech when he was there, and the reason for why he could not go be the voice for Texas Tech is probably the most entertaining response to Bobby Knight that you'll ever hear in your life. It's good stuff. I did not know that story. See, he's got so many things yeah. <laughs> in his career, it's cr- and that's only with the Reds, 46 years with the Reds. I mean, all his stuff before that, too. He, he just, it's just an amazing thing. He was an idol of mine growing up. I thought about getting into sports broadcasting, and it's just great to be a Cincinnati and growing up with that guy there as, as this, you know, the staple of, of, of broadcasting to me. So We're getting people tuning in to the back end of this, uh, Terry. So if you don't mind, one more time as we send you out. Uh, for those who want to uh, to get tickets to this uh, documentary premiere on Monday, just one more time, all the full information. We're going to share it on our ESPN Dayton page and on the Justin Kinner Show page. But just one more time for those who are catching some of this late. Yeah, so if you go to starlightdriveinohio.com, uh, there's a direct link there, and then also on our Facebook fan page, which is How We Look in Marty B. Film, and you'll you'll be able to find it there, and a lot of other great stuff, too. And then you'll be able to keep up to date, because we might have some more screenings. I'm definitely getting some calls about doing some regional stuff. And I, I released 4192 up in Dayton and Columbus, too, so I'm happy to. I love Ohio, and I want all, everybody to see this film. Absolutely. Well, great stuff. Again, Terry Lukemeyer, the producer, director of the Marty Brenneman documentary, How We Looking, premieres on Monday. I cannot wait. I know a couple friends of mine and I were heading over to watch it on Monday. We were super excited about it. And I'm glad that we uh, found some time to get you on today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate it. All right, good stuff, Terry Lukemeyer. Uh, I I cannot wait uh, to watch this. Um, it, it's it's going to be something. And I tell you what, again, for those of you who have yet to see some of those um, trailers for it, go to my Facebook and go to the Justin Kenner Show. Uh, I've shared a few on there. I mean, it's unbelievable. My favorite one again because Marty's just this. You know, you know, people think of Marty and they think you know he's this big hard ass and like he he has no soft side to him. It's the total opposite. He's one of the nicest guys in the world that you'll ever meet. And uh, the, my favorite story, you have Tom Brenneman saying that him and his wife were, you know, taking a walk around town and they look over and saw Amanda, you know, Amanda's Marty's wife and, and Marty going on a walk and he's pushing a stroller. And they thought, oh, you know, maybe one of the neighbors, you know, they maybe Marty and Amanda volunteered to take the, the baby on a walk or something. And as they get closer and closer, he realizes that uh, it's Millie, their dog. Millie, the dog, is in the stroller and it's their dog, their stroller. And that's how Marty takes his dog out on a walk every night. So the, Tom jokes and says, oh, man, like, let's let's cover our faces and head the opposite direction. They, 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 they want nothing to do with it. It's hilarious. Head to the Facebook page to watch the trailer now. It's really good. And uh, I'm excited to go see that on Monday. We'll have that interview if you missed it up with all the information coming up on the website at wingam.com coming up immediately following the show all right you've waited long enough we got the reds lineup coming up for you when we come back reds baseball no marty brenneman on the call but we have tommy thrawn the cowboy who will be taking over at 6 40 7 10 will be first pitch reds lineup as we close the show out when we come back thinking of you 
What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Jason Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WYNG studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, great stuff there. That was uh, Terry Lukemeyer, the producer and director of the new Marty Burnham documentary, which premieres on Monday. And I'm telling you, it's so professionally done. Like, this isn't like a little, you know, side production thing. Like, it's so good. And uh, go to the Justin Kinner Show page on Facebook. I just shared that uh, piece that we were talking about with Marty Burnham pushing his dog around in a stroller. Uh, you know, you'll see clips from Jim Day, the cowboy, um, you know, Tom Burnham. Uh, there's Urban Meyer, Kirk Herbstreit. There's going to be so many big names in this documentary i cannot wait and it just touches on every aspect of marty's career uh from calling the legendary hank aaron you know the legendary hank aaron call everything is covered in this documentary and uh, i loved hearing the behind the scenes stuff with terry about hey you know when they addressed when they justin kinner show golf balls again it has the justin kinner show logo on these golf balls we're giving away a sleeve um and every friday we're going to be giving away a few of these so you have to head to facebook you have to like the justin kinner show uh you have to like the justin kinner show with kev nash by the I didn't forget about you, Kev. There he is right there. And I'll be back on Monday. Uh, But we're giving away the Justin Kinner Show uh, golf balls. And uh, to be eligible for that, all you have to do is like the Justin Kinner Show page on Facebook. And uh, you are automatically enrolled into winning that by commenting in the comment section underneath the live broadcast. Uh, That's how you become eligible to win these. So as we have only a few minutes remaining here, let's go ahead and take a look at the Cincinnati Reds lineup tonight. The Reds and the Pirates. We talked about the Reds' struggles earlier on in the show. We shall see if those struggles continue tonight. Hopefully they don't. you got Sonny Gray on the mound, and that is most important. Leading things off in left field, batting first is Shogo Akiyama. Nick Castellanos will bat second and get the start in right field. Joey Votto at first base will bat third. Jesse Winker, the DH, will get the cleanup spot duties tonight. He'll bat fourth. Nick Senzel in center field, batting fifth. Josh Van Meter will get the start at second, second base and bat sixth. Uh, Freddie Galvis will get the start at shortstop, bat seven, batting eighth, and behind the plate tonight is Tucker Barnhart, and at third base, batting ninth, is Kyle Farmer. One more time, your Reds lineup, Shogo Akiyama, Nick Castellanos, Joey Votto, one, two, and three, Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Josh Van Meter, your three, four, and five, I'm sorry, your four, five, and six hitters, seven, eight, and nine belongs to Freddie Galvis, Tucker Barnhart, and Kyle Farmer. Sonny Gray will be on the mound tonight. The Reds have only, the Reds rotation has only pitched two plus innings the last two nights combined. Over 14 plus innings has been responsible for by the bullpen as of late. Hopefully that's not the case tonight. Expect to see a lot of Sonny Gray. 640 will be the free game. 710 the first pitch right here tonight on Dayton's home of the Reds. All right, everybody. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll do this again on Monday. Have a great night.